Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey folks, today's Thursday, September 12, 2019. This is Roller Bark Unfiltered, broadcasting live from the campus of Texas Southern University here in Houston. It is debate night. Democratic candidates for the first time will be on one stage all together. The top candidates broadcast live on ABC News. We're going to break all of this down on the show today. We're going a little bit early because doors are going to close uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern and we got to be inside. And so folks, it's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling.
Hey, folks, Roland Martin here broadcasting live from Texas Southern University in Houston, where it is a big night. The Democrats are going to be debating tonight uh, right here on the TSU campus. So right behind me uh, is the Recreation Physical Ed Center. And so as you see right now, uh, you, of course, you have uh, all the folks that are going through security. And, of course, all the TSU dignitaries, guys, if you can pan left right here, uh, you will you'll actually see us. Uh, pan, just pan left there. Just pan left there. Uh, and you'll, you'll see uh, the folks in line, some of the TSU dignitaries uh, who are standing in line. And, of course, they are uh, waiting to go inside. Uh, security is uh, real tight here. Oh, we got some, uh, got some issues here, folks. We got some, but uh, it's easy to Security is real, real tight here, okay, here at TSU. Uh, you got folks, helicopters flying uh, all above. Uh, that's happening. You got all these streets that are blocked off as well. Uh, all across the campus here, uh, folks have had to park from uh, a certain distance. So do me a favor, pan that way, uh, pan that way, pan right. And what you're going to see is, if you pan right, what you'll see is you actually see folks who are in line, who are in line uh, waiting to get inside uh, here at uh, TSU. They're waiting to get inside. Uh, folks are going through all sorts of security precautions uh, here at Texas Southern University. Uh, and uh, they actually asked people uh, to come here uh, to come in er as early as folks as 2.30. 2:30 to actually come inside, and so uh, that's what that's what we are seeing. Uh, and again, students also had tickets to be able to get in. You've got folks uh, who are uh, dignitaries, alumni, all sorts of different people. Members of Congress are going to be here as well. This is a major deal. This is the first uh, Democrat debate taking place on an HBCU campus uh, since Morgan State uh, took place uh, when President Barack Obama was running uh, as well. And so uh, I'm going to do this right here. I see one of the TSU uh, members of the Board of Regents uh, who is over here. Uh, and so I'm going to do a quick chat with him. And so, um, and so he's going he's gonna to talk to him in just a second. So come on over. How you doing, Doc? Good. How you doing? I'm all good here. Uh, so first of all, tell everybody who you are. I'm Derek Mitchell. Um, I'm a lawyer here in town with Holland and Knight, and I'm also on the Board of Regents of the Texas Southern University. Uh, the Texas Southern. So tell, what does this mean, having this Democratic debate on the campus at TSU? Roland, it's a great day for TSU, bottom line. Uh, this is monumental. Uh, you, you don't get this opportunity, and so we have rolled out the red carpet for TSU to shine to let the rest of the world know that good things happen on this campus and all other HBCUs as well. And of course, what I was just saying is the last time we actually had uh, a debate on HBCU campus was at Morgan State. Uh, and so it's been a while. Uh, how long, what, what's been the planning like? Because uh, you know, ABC is broadcasting. They pretty much taken over uh, this whole area here. It, it, you know what, it's just like we are the landlords and they have, they are the tenants and have taken over everything. This is about a six month process. I think once ABC recognized uh, that they needed, I felt like they needed to be in the middle of the country. Houston is a Democrat city, if you will. Uh, everybody knows that. And uh, why not TSU, right? And so also we're fortunate to have one of the greatest alums ever uh, in Michael Strahan with ABC. And so uh, again, we rolled out the red carpet. They took over from here, uh, from there. And uh, you can see now we got, you know, probably 10,000 people here. Folks, I ask you, how did TSU get this debate? Uh, sure, there was a lot of competition. Yeah, I'm sure there was. I think at the end of the day, they saw the, uh, that the importance of HBCUs, they see the importance of the black vote. And I think they realized that if you are here on campus, 
you're gonna you're showing that the black vote means a lot. All right, then. Well, we're looking forward to it. I know they're gonna be closing the doors in about an hour and 15 minutes. We're going to get done. We actually went that live a little early just so we could be sure to get inside. So always glad to be back home uh, here in H Town. Good seeing you. Thanks, Bob. I right, appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. And again, folks, uh, again, we're here at campus of Texas Southern University, uh, where the uh, Democratic debate is taking place. As I said, uh, you've got, uh, of course, the dignitaries, the TSU folks, are going through uh, this uh, entrance right here, uh, where they have it set up. And uh, y'all might not realize it's a loud buzzing you're hearing. Uh, I'm not going to show it, but the loud buzzing you're hearing uh, is uh, the Trump's pe Trump people are actually flying a plane above, talking about socialism will kill Houston's economy, vote Trump 2020. Yeah, right. Okay, whatever. Uh, so that's what's happening there. And so, uh, as I also said, folks, again, you see people who are lining up uh, all over here to get inside. Uh, thousands are going to be here. Let me tell you how major this is, okay? This actually, this is how crazy it is, folks. I actually, when I tried to rent a car, so I rented a car, it was a couple days ago, literally, there were no cars. Literally, there were no cars. Uh, and it was, I said, wait a minute, what the heck is going on? So I, I text the family members, this is the only major event going on. So it's not like you have this huge convention going on. And so thousands of people are here. People have come in from all over the country uh, to be here as well. In a moment, uh, we're going to be chatting with Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, who is here, of course. Now, while this is happening, Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, ALC, is taking place in D.C. So let me explain what happened there. I did talk to Tom Perez about that. There were a lot of a lot of DNC, a lot of uh, CBC members who were not happy at all about that fact uh, that this was taking place. But ABC actually chose the dates. Now they set aside uh, two dates. Uh, they, they set aside Thursday and Friday, and so they had to choose the date that also went along with their primetime schedule. Keep in mind, ABC also owns ESPN. Disney owns ABC and ESPN, so it couldn't take place on Monday night. Why? Because of Monday night football. That was a concern. Also, of course, it being on Thursday night, it being Thursday night football, and so they chose Thursday and Friday. Only uh, 10 or so candidates qualified for this first debate. That's why you have this one debate tonight. So there are not going to be two debates at all, just one. So thankfully that's the case. And so, but again, there are a lot of CBC members who were not happy at all uh, that uh, this also would be taking place during CBCF ALC. But uh, as Tom Perez, uh, the chairman of the DNC, said, it was all about uh, the uh, scheduling of ABC, the networks. They make those decisions, and that's what we see right here uh, taking place. So, you know, as I said, uh, there's been a tremendous buzz all around the campus right now. I want to talk to the congresswoman uh, from Houston um, who's, coming, who's coming right now. So as you see her, she just walked over, and so I'm going to chat with her in just a second. It's a wee bit warm out here. I'm native of Houston, so, uh, but we're sort of used to uh, the uh, the heat here, and so I'm going to uh, pull the congresswoman right now. So, Congresswoman uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, always glad uh, to see you. Uh, how does it feel uh, having uh, this huge opportunity in your in your uh, city, but also on the campus of TSU? Well, it's long overdue. This is an outstanding university, but more importantly, as I was flying home from Washington, uh, my seatmate, I explained to them what this meant. Uh, this is a university that was, in essence, born out of the ashes of segregation. Uh, he asked me where it was. I said, it's across the street from the University of Houston, which is what happened to Negroes and colors, that they had to be separate and in some instances unequal. But now look at us. Uh, the university is flourishing. It has one of the highest enrollments. Uh, individual students are themselves stars. Uh, historic teachings on the history of 
uh, not only this great campus, but the history of African Americans, you know, are well taught here. And certainly, uh, we know that we have not only uh, those who graduated years ago, uh, which include Barbara Jordan and Dr. Ruth Simmons and uh, Mickey Leland, and certainly Michael is of a earlier, more recent vintage. Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan. But we have students whose names are not counted uh, that are going on to enormous success. And we have Dr. Thomas Freeman, who is an icon in his own right. But I think the per what I want to say about this is it's interesting to be this old a university, now going into its into its second decade. And in fact, in fact, today is Founders Day, Founders same time. And not second decade, second half of the century going into its hundred years. Uh, and to have to introduce Texas Southern University to someone. Now, I believe, with this national exposure, which we're enormously excited, uh, we can do it. Uh, and um, first, it was to get this debate here. And uh, I'm delighted the DNC listened to those of us who thought that we should have the convention. We didn't get the convention, but we insisted. And then, of course, it's good to have friends in high places. And Michael was very effective in getting ABC to steer their eyes toward this campus. But they won't be disappointed because just the sheer existence of these iconic students, some first in their family to go to college, uh, some uh, here day-to-day uh, -day work study, and they are here, and they are giants, and they are great, and the programs are great, and I am delighted to be able to represent Texas Southern University. Now, one of the things that, the fact we've had the debates so far, voting rights hasn't come up one time. We've had issues here in Texas, other parts of the country. Are you hopeful uh, that at, at an HBCU that these candidates will be questioned about voting rights? Absolutely, and interestingly enough, we were in Memphis last week on voting rights, heard some stark testimony, some stark testimony again this past week, Tuesday. Uh, voting rights is our Achilles heel of any election of anyone running for president of the United States that has a progressive agenda. If you don't have the voters voting, if you have voter suppression, if you have voter intimidation, uh, we are working, as you well know, on the Judiciary Committee to try to secure uh, some form of voting rights, but obviously uh, the bill has to be signed by the president. So it will be very important uh, for these candidates, uh, Roland, to talk about voting rights. Certainly in the criminal justice reform, we've made a step. I, we made a step. Right. But there are those languishing. The bail reform has not moved. Police accountability. So let's get into the weeds of that. Tuition. Even though we're at a state historically black college, a state institution, these students need tuition relief. They need loan relief. Uh, and they need jobs, not for a moment, but for the future. Uh, you mentioned being a member of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, Y'all had a little news today that took place there in terms of moving forward. A vote 2417 uh, for uh, an impeachment investigation. Uh, Chairman Nattler said, y'all can call it whatever y'all want to call it, but it's to actually have these hearings. How, first of all, are you pleased with that? A lot of people have been calling for that for quite some time, and more and more Democrats, I think now more than 135, 140, said it's time to investigate this president in the impeachment inquiry. Long overdue, it is an impeachment investigation. Uh, many of us are beginning to craft, not to prejudge, but articles of impeachment. Having read the Mueller report and gone through it and had the hearings, we know the testimony of Robert Mueller, who indicated singularly that he did not exonerate, but more importantly, that if the actions of the president 
were that of a civilian, that person would be indicted. We didn't say they'd be convicted, they'd be indicted. We are the indicting entity. And so we're not after a witch hunt, we're not trying to go after anyone, we're simply trying to follow the constitutional directives that is given uh, to the Article One body, and that's the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, I believe that it is important for the United States to know that uh, none of us, and certainly we understand that it applies uh, in particular to people of color, are above the rule of law. And that's what we'll be doing going forward. We have Corey Landowski this coming week. Um, we want Robert McGahn to come and answer the questions of did the president or not uh, tell him uh, to fire Robert Mueller, yes or no. Um, but I think these are questions that go to the uh, governance of the United States. They go to the question of abuse of power. And one thing was said today in the hearing, um, impeachment does not equate to crime and criminal acts as one would perceive in the civilian world. Yeah, because because but, crimes and misdemeanors. The Constitution does not define high crimes and misdemeanors, and, and the criminal standard is, does, is not applicable because this is a whole is a constitutional standard. Constitutional standards, the question of whether or not this person upholding the oath of office, the rule of law, and leading the nation appropriately as evidenced by Article 2, which is that of the executive. That's what we want the American people to know. And I just want to say this. We're not, we can't be driven by polls. We're not disrespecting the American people, but we must be reminded that the hearings in the Senate went for nine months, nine months before the American people turned uh, to the extent that we were then moving toward uh, the articles of impeachment, even though the articles of impeachment come from the House. So I think it's important to note that we're not trying to uh, do anything but provide facts to the American people. Then. Well, look, as always, glad to be back uh, in hometown of Houston. Uh, this is a, a great opportunity for TSU. Uh, tremendous excitement on this campus, and so we're looking forward to, to, to tonight's debate. We are absolutely delighted, and, and let me say I cannot leave your uh, outstanding podcast uh, without saying H.R. Uh, 40 is a reality. I just put forth the Judiciary Brain Trust in Washington at the ALC, and the Judiciary Brain Trust was packed. We did voting rights, criminal justice reform with Gwen Carr, Eric, um, Eric Garner's mom, um, and uh, we did uh, police accountability, as I said, and we did reparations, H.R. 40, dynamic panel. It is a reality because we want this commission to be able to discern and decide and to look at what that was worth in terms of systemic changes, mm -hmm. and there are going to be many debates about what it should be, but to deal with the idea of unpaid help for so long. All right. We well, surely appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. See you inside. All right, folks, uh, right now, I want to uh, introduce right now uh, my uh, panelist, Dr. Greg Carr, uh, Chair of the Department of Afro-American Studies at Howard University. Also, uh, Erica Savage-Wilson, she is host of the Savage Politics Podcast, and A. Scott Bolden, former chair of the National Bar Social Political Action Committee. Uh, Dr. Carr, I want to go to you. You, 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 of course, you teach at Howard University. Uh, and so just from your perspective, uh, how critically important is it is when we see these debates uh, take place at Ohio State and these other universities, uh, to have it take place at the HBCU, how important is that? It's of critical importance, particularly this election, Roland. I mean, we talked about it last week um, when you laid out some of the major agenda items that should be discussed tonight. Hopefully they will be. And then talking right. to Representative Jackson Lee. Uh, tonight, they're all on the same stage for the first time as the top-tier candidates. We're going to see what Elizabeth Warren does with Joe Biden and everybody else for that matter. 
but most importantly for our community, we should be tuned in to hear the kind of information we're going to need to make a critical decision. And having it at Texas Southern, uh, the place that came into existence as a result of Sweat versus Painter, as you led through us, and a place that has been a source and a resource for black struggle and the education of our people for quite some time, there's no more important place to be. And, and, if, and in fact, uh, Scott Bolden, uh, this university was born out of segregation. Heman Sweat wanted to go to the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, they did not allow him to do so because of segregation. And so therefore, they created the law school here at Texas Southern University. Barbara Jordan wanted to go to the University of Texas, could not go because right. of segregation. She had to come here to Texas Southern University. Uh, and so, uh, so, so here we are in 2019, uh, talking about obviously these Democrats being here, and we're and we're talking about a university that was born out of segregation that to this day is still, uh, of course, educating predominantly African American students, mm -hmm. but also white Latino students as well. Well, if there's another public interest uh, law school or, or one where graduates a great a great number of African-American lawyers uh, other than Howard University School of Law, it would be Texas Southern. Uh, they compete for students in the best and brightest of minds. I tell you, the, sim the symbolism of being at Texas Southern University and the law school, uh, Roland, is really rooted in what this debate is going to be about. I want to hear the candidates talk about race, racism, and the law, about gun control and stopping gun violence. I want to hear them talk about an urban agenda, if you will. There's no better place to do that. And while I know the, uh, the, uh, the, the media will control the questions and ABC and what have you, we've got to talk about these issues because any candidate I vote for or Black America votes for, we need to hear those issues and the candidates need to connect with us on those issues so we know what to expect uh, after, um, after 2020 uh, when they beat Donald Trump. Uh, Erica, will you talk about, uh, again, this debate and the issues? We also talk about this is the first time we're going to have the top candidates on stage at one time. Uh, I believe that this is a, a huge night, a critical night for Senator Kamala Harris. She's the only person on this stage who's an HBCU graduate. In some ways, you're talking about this is, this is home territory, but also throwing the reality that Senator Elizabeth Warren, she graduated from the University of Houston just two blocks away. Mm. Uh, Castro from Texas, yeah. Beto O'Rourke from stuff. Texas. But I, I dare say, out of all the folks on stage, she's had a tough last month. Yeah. She's going to have to come out on fire. There's been questions about her health care plan. She dropped her criminal justice reform plan uh, on Monday. I, I, the person who I think has to score well tonight to put her campaign back on track as Senator Kamala Harris. Your thoughts? My thoughts surrounding that is that Kamala Harris has definitely um, um, lent her voice in, in, in this political conversation. Uh, however, she just did a podcast interview with Angela Rye recently, which was about an hour long, where she went over some of those very things that you laid out. So I'd like to kind of just like take a time, you know, we're actually, um, this is the week of the annual legislative conference um, by the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. Um, and so uh, during this time, we've got a gathering of, of, of a host of people, politicals and things of that nature. Um, bringing that to the point where this is now the time, this is, we're entering the season where we're going to start have to looking at who's in the field and who needs to go ahead and kind of like bow out of the field. And so during the summer, all of those different debates that we had, they were kind of priming us to this moment. Voters are now paying attention because we're about 13, 12 months out from um, next year. 
And so I think with Kamala Harris, those same stakes apply to all of the candidates. Um, going back to the AOC, um, the Black Women's Roundtable rolled out a poll by Dr. Avis Jones the Weaver um, and Melanie Campbell and all of them. And in that poll, it showed that amongst millennial women and just black folks in general that were largely still undecided. So while you lay that out about Kamala, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think that that pressure is applied to all of those candidates that are in the field well, because but, we're going to have to but, start doing the it down. But, but, Greg, here's why, I, here's why I'm specifically talking about Senator Harris. Because if you look at the polling data right now, in essence, there are two tiers that are happening. A top tier, Joe Biden, uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Then there's a second tier, and that is Senator Kamala Harris, uh, Pete Buttigieg. And then there's a third tier, and that is Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker, Julian Castro, and the rest of the candidates. And so if you're Harris... What you don't want to do is you don't want to be in a position where, frankly, uh, those top three are getting further away from you. She had a spike after the first debate, did not do well after the second debate. I'm just saying that in terms of her candidacy, and I would also say, Pete Buttigieg, what you don't want is for those top three to solidify themselves going into October when really this thing is about to pick up. I agree with you, Roland. Uh, let's <coughs> be clear. The way it's looking now, uh, Joe Biden has topped out. He's not going to grow any base. If anything, he's just trying to maintain whatever he can to get to the nomination. Got a double-digit lead. No, brother, but he, he can't... He ain't got to top out. He can't grow anymore. Elizabeth Warren has all what? the momentum. No, she and Bernie Sanders what? are fighting for... When the rest uh, of the candidates uh, get no, out, what, what, Biden's going to grow. What no, are you no, no, talking no, 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 about, Joe, Professor? Joe, Joe Biden has topped out. He's, he's fairly lifeless, and anybody is oh. going to beat Trump. But... Joe Biden can't grow his base now, but let me just... This is, it's going to grow when those well, Democratic candidates time, get time out of the tell. race. I guarantee time you. Time will tell. Yeah. Time will tell, brother. Uh, let's put it this way. Elizabeth Warren has a lot of the momentum, but she's got to make inroads in black communities. Now, she spent a lot of time, including time at HBCUs, like Morgan State. And the more people hear her, the more her momentum is building. Bernie Sanders, of course, in that top tier, the third candidate in the top tier, seems to uh, be fighting for the same candidates that Elizabeth Warren has. But, of course, he's got problems not really being a, in the Democratic Party. He's got a lot of young people and millennials and more people, uh, non-whites around him, particularly young women who are in his campaign. But even that might be... The, you know, he may but he's not growing well. either. No, he's not growing He's either. not growing. He's but staying right where he is. Now, we said this when all these candidates first announced, Roland, on your show. In many ways, people in that second and third tier may be auditioning for the vice president slot. Mm -hmm. Now, let's be clear. If Kamala Harris is going to make a move, you are absolutely right. Tonight is the night she has to make a move. They, she doesn't have the black vote. Uh, Barack Obama exhausted the vote for me because I'm black crap. Now she and Cory Booker are going to have to do something more than show up Got and it. be black. And between Howard and Texas Southern, there's a class distinction as well. Yes, she went to HBCU, but it wasn't a public HBCU. Uh, don't start now. Brother, don't start I now. I went to the State. I, 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 went, yeah, I went to Howard Law School at Morehouse College. I, I, don't I, start pitting us against no, one no, no, another no, no, now. What I'm saying is that what we bottom read... Bottom line, teaching at Howard. Kamala Harris has not made the case to the black community that she needs, to, particularly to get away from Joe right. Biden. She, she can't so outrun Barack Obama's legacy. And that's Corey's problem and... Gentlemen, gentlemen, here, no, but here's the deal. First of all, the, it, first of all, Obama has nothing to do with them running. The point is this here. They can't run it's the same way Obama running. ran. It's got to do with Biden running. The, 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 uh, just, just breathe. 
breathe, <laughs> uh, Scott. The bottom, the bottom line is this here. It's not just Biden and Obama. It's also African Americans want Trump out. That's and there right. are black voters and white voters who believe that Joe Biden, not just because he served eight years with Obama, but also those 36 years in the United States Senate, yeah. Yeah. is that he has yeah. the stature and yeah. to appeal to those disaffected, rural, working-class white voters. But again, this debate tonight, this thing really starts September 15th, and so we'll really, excuse me, October 1, I think people will begin to drop out. We'll see what happens tonight. Got to go to a break. We come back. A biracial swimmer in Alaska disqualified because of her butt cheeks? What, what, what? the hell? <laughs> what? I'm going to explain next to Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, you've heard me talk a lot about MarijuanaStock.org. Why? Because I want to keep you informed of investment opportunities that make sense. We've all watched the growth of the cannabis industry. A recent report by New Frontier Data estimates the global cannabis market at over $340 billion. Now, we know that marijuana legalization is sweeping the country state by state. We also know that marijuana has a good cousin, the hemp plant, which with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Now, until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, the 2018 Farm Bill changed all of that, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S. and creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all of the plants. And folks, is it rocket science? It's an incredible investment opportunity. And that's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. The business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right. They are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. The folks at 420 Real Estate decided to do something special for Roland Martin Unfiltered Family. Originally, the minimum investment level was 500 bucks. Right now, you can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as $200. That's right, 200 bucks up to $10,000. Now, let me recap. This is a $340 billion worldwide industry and it's growing you can participate with as little as 200 bucks to invest go to marijuanastock.org that's marijuanastock.org get in the game and get in the game now yeah and they buy some ignorant motherfuckers and they buy it's Roland Martin here. We are on the campus of Texas Southern University where the Democrats will be debating tonight uh, in a little more than a couple of hours. But i got to talk, talk about this story out of Alaska where uh, a, a young swimmer, a sister, biracial, was disqualified after a race because the judge ruled that he could see her butt cheeks. Okay? Now, after lots of public outcry, the decision was reversed. Now, Brecklin Willis, she's a member of the swim team uh, at Diamond High School in Anchorage, Alaska. She has competed in four events at a swim competition on Friday. She won. Uh, she swam in four of them, won a heat during the meet. But a race official said that her swimsuit has shifted into a position that showed too much of her backside, claiming that was a rule against that. Folks, it was a team, a school-issued swimsuit. Many people say that she's a curvaceous person, but she's also a sister, meaning she got butt. She's 
Mitchell. Erica, this is absolutely insane. In fact, there was a female judge who actually said, we're going to have a problem with this once this gets out. This guy tried to claim that the rule existed, and they said, no, it doesn't. This is nonsense, this rule. This is crazy. <laughs> so cue Serena Williams, and then just mm. cue also the policing of black bodies. This <laughs> is not just black women. To be black is to live in a police state constantly. Mm. It does not matter where you live, where you, um, what type of um, occupation that you have, that is really the existence of being black. And so when we hear stories like this that have actually made national news, I know for myself and people um, that I communicate with, this is not something that surprises us because we've actually experienced the same things um, growing up in school um, and whatnot and in our own profession. So I think that this is kind of a part of that larger conversation where um, we're just talking about, like, on the debate stage, which is a perfect place on the HBCU campus, that, that these are some of the conversations that need to be had from a constituent or just, you know, folks in the public to people who are actually running from higher office to talk about um, what are their... Uh, where do they stand on um, making sure policies that really do continue to keep us in a place where everything we do from our hair, our wear locks, to the, our bodies, this, this to the is, way that we communicate is always, always something that's being policed. Utterly idiotic, Greg. It's utterly idiotic. <laughs> it is, but I mean, I agree with uh, with Sister Wilson. I agree with Erica. I mean, at the end of the day, this is the this the rule does exist. It exists in the warped fantasies of white men and the white racial imaginary. As she said, remember that cat suit Serena had on almost 20 years ago now at the U.S. Open. And, rem and remember what they tried to do her at the French Open, saying she couldn't win, so she just put on a tutu and revolutionized the tennis world in a tutu. <laughs> My right. point is that they, there will never not be a fascination, number one, with the body. She's right. right. It's not just black people. Right. Look at the ESPN annual body issue. Uh -huh. This fascination with the body. Uh -huh. But when it comes to black people, black men like LeBron James with his arm around the waist of a model on the cover of Vanity Fair like in a replica of the King Kong 1933 mm -hmm. version, or mm -hmm. for that matter, coming forward to 2019, this example. Mm -hmm. What we are dealing with is Got this it. fetishization of the body, and black women have had to suffer the brunt of it, brother. Mm -hmm. Whether it's their body or their hair. Scott? I mean, this is, right. this is swimming while black. And you got wrestling while black. Remember the, the cat that they cut his dreads off? Yes. They said he couldn't compete. And they know that people of color, we love competing. We are athletic. Uh, they love to say we're scientifically engineered differently, which is complete falsity. Uh, but, but, but white privilege and white racism, they continue to be obsessed with us and our ability to achieve athletically and intellectually despite their efforts to suppress us. Right. Our candidates win despite voter suppression and oppression. And they continue, yep. white America continues to be obsessed with this, yep. and we keep winning, which is why we, we all grew up. We say, you got to be twice as good in order to survive, let alone succeed. Our parents were right. We do, because white privilege and white racism continues to be obsessed with us and trying to see how much more yeah. we can overcome yeah. and we keep winning. And good luck to that swimmer and glad she got that resolve and she needs to keep swimming because they're telling her she probably got to lose weight to be a championship yeah. swimmer because she too curvaceous. curvaceous. Keep your curves, young lady. Keep your curves. <laughs>
Well, first of all, they ain't going nowhere. <laughs> right, right. They ain't going nowhere, <laughs> right. and they might as well suck it up. All right, I got to go to a break. We come back, our 16-19-2019 segment, talking about slavery and Christianity. And then also, my man, Joe Morton, Papa Pope, is in the house. All of that next to Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. Life Lux Jazz is the experience of a lifetime delivering top-notch music in an upscale destination. The weekend-long event is held at the Omnia Day Club Los Cabos, which is nestled on the Sea of Cortez in the celebrity playground of Los Cabos, Mexico. The Life Lux Jazz experience offers the ultimate getaway for discerning jazz aficionados by pairing an upscale international destination with luxury, with luxury accommodations, fine hot cuisine, top shelf libations, breathtaking golf, exhilarating spa, health and wellness options, and much more, while showcasing some of the biggest names in entertainment. The second annual Life Lux Jazz experience continues to build upon its success and heritage with jazzing around Los Cabos, a celebratory expansion of accomplishing its goal of sharing all the finest the destination has to offer, including daytime excursions and many concerts, including the Spirit of Jazz Gospel Brunch and Jazz Sunset Cruise. Confirmed guests, comedian actor Mark Curry, Gerald Albright, Alex Bouman, Raul Madon, Incognito, Pieces of a Dream, Kirk Whalem, Average White Band, Donnie McClurkin, Shalea, Roy Ayers, Tom Brown, Ronnie Laws, and Ernest Quarles. Man, that's a hell of a lineup. For more information, visit the website at lifeluxjazz.com. It's lifeluxjazz.com. Also, we'll be broadcasting Roller Martin Unfiltered uh, from Los Cabos uh, the, the Thursday and Friday. And so you definitely want to be in the house, folks. It is an amazing experience. I can't wait for it all to happen. So go to lifeluxjazz.com to sign up today. All right, folks, of course, it's time for our 16, 19, 2019 segment. Uh, and so uh, we want to talk. All right, folks, of course, we're focused on 400 years since the first 20 on Africans arrived in the United States. This whole issue of Christianity and the enslaved, huge, huge issue uh, that uh, we have always uh, focused on. And people talk about, oh, you celebrate the white man's religion. Well, joining us right now is Dr. Corey D.B. Walker, visiting professor at the University of Richmond. Uh, and uh, Dr. Walker, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? All right, so for, so uh, people always are talking about this and are raising this issue, saying, "Oh, that black people, you're celebrating the white man's religion." Uh, and so, when 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 was Christianity uh, introduced to people of African descent? Was it before those 29 Africans arrived in 1619, or was it when people came to this country? Well, Roland, Christianity is an African religion. You have to remember that 
when you think about Jesus, Jesus, uh, Jesus fled and Joseph and Mary fled to Africa. When we think of uh, the early uh, Hebrews in Egypt and when you think of the early church fathers, they're all North African. Those 20 and odd Africans were part of a flotilla of Angolans uh, of 36 ships that left Luanda to come to the New World. When they were intercepted and when they were pirated by British ships, remember those 20 odd Africans were on Portuguese ships flying under uh, Catholic uh, auspices and the Spanish crown. When they were then moved to the U.S., those 20 odd Africans had already understood the rudiments of, of African, uh, Africanized uh, Catholicism. The Jesuits had already been in Angola since, 15, since the uh, 16th century, and as early as 1575, all Jesuits required uh, any enslaved African to be baptized. Now, that does not mean that this is the same Christianity that we would see coming out of Europe. Of course, with all religions, religions are syncretistic products, and the Africans who were then baptized to become Catholic continued their own religious traditions, their own religious mores, and combined them uh, with new world ways of thinking and new world ways of being. So you got to hybridize uh, truly an Africanized Christianity, which is a new world African religious experience. And obviously all that's important because it's amazing when I listen to people who slam present-day African-Americans who are Christian, who have no understanding uh, of our history. It's unfortunate because what we tend to think is that there's a, a, a hard demarcation around Christianity. We also remind ourselves that one-third of Africans coming into the Americas were Muslim. And when you begin to think of uh, just Frederick Douglass's narrative, you see Frederick Douglass talking about uh, an elder within his with elder within his village writing in an indecipherable script. He's writing in uh, Arabic. When you think of the ways in which slave narratives the, uh, coming out of North Carolina are written in Arabic, you're thinking of really a syncretistic and multiple, uh, multiply cultural religious worldview of New World Africans. And that new worldview and that uh, worldview of those Africans includes Christianity and Christianity in all of its varieties. It's not just uh, a Christianity that's given to us by the colonizers or by missionaries or by the masters. Africans have always been Christian from the beginning. We have always written about Christianity. When you read St. Augustine, it is the African church writing to the Italian church. So there is no European Christianity. There is an African Christianity, just like there's an African Judaism, just like there's an African Islam. And with all of the Abrahamic traditions, they're all combining in some very unique ways with traditional African religious mores, and they're combining and then taking part of traditional African religions. And I know my brother Greg Carr can remind us that even some of the ways in which we think about Christianity borrow and blend from African religions, questions around resurrection, questions around monotheism. They don't just erupt out of Europe, they erupt out of the continent, they erupt out of Africa. And if there were a couple of books that you, that you would recommend for folks to read to better understand this, what would that be? I would recommend Michael Gomez's Exchanging Our uh, Country Marks. Uh, Brother Gomez at NYU has written on 
the extensive uh, co uh, collaboration and creativity of a new world Africans, particularly around Islam. I would also look at Linda Hayward's book on Queen Nzinga, because that's where we begin to look at the ways in which Angola and Angolan Africans really populated the new world and really populated uh, the areas in and around the Chesapeake when we think about 1619. So if you're looking at two scholars, look at the work of Michael Gomez and also look at the work of Linda Hayward. And of course, you always got to uh, look at the work of John Thornton, Africans uh, in the Atlantic world. All right, then. Look, we're going to have a longer conversation. We're going to have this again. Unfortunately, I got to cut it short because uh, we're here at TSU. I got Joe Morton coming up next, and then I have got to get inside because they're going to be closing the doors. Uh, and so, uh, Dr. Walker, we're going to definitely have this, another uh, part two this conversation. I appreciate uh, your perspective on all of this. Always appreciate it. Thank you, my brother. All right, thanks a lot. We're going to go to a quick break. We come back. We're going to talk about the importance of diversity in media, not just diversity, inclusion, a seat at the table, power, with my man, actor Joe Morton. That's next, Roller Martin Unfiltered. Hey, fam, I want you to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications. All right, folks, uh, we are here on the campus of Texas Southern University, uh, of course, uh, where uh, the debate will be taking place uh, here at TSU. The T uh, D Democrats will be on stage. Uh, but joining us right now uh, in the studio, I wonder what um, uh, Command would think of the folks here. You know him, of course, as Papa Pope on Scandal. You also know him, folks, uh, from movies and television. Uh, he is an Emmy Award winner, a bad brother, Joe Morton. Pa Joe, how you doing? you man i'm sorry i couldn't be there in dc with you but uh always good talking with you first of all just what is your take on all this whole crazy presidential campaign all the democrats running that of course the orange one in dc you know what i think that um having all of these candidates is a really good thing i mean we're going to get a chance to hear a lot of what the democrats are thinking what they have to say um what they might propose um as opposed to Going on, you know, the fact that maybe Biden is the most electable because he says so, uh, because he's the only one whose name recognition is the highest. Um, so I think this is a good thing. Uh, and look, I agree because of what it also does is it energizes different people uh, to yeah. get involved uh, in the race. Although, they, although there are about six or eight people who need to drop the hell out. <laughs> but don't you think that'll happen? You know, I mean, just but because. The way that happens, bit, the debates will happen. People will drop bit, away bit, because the money will fall away. No. Nah. Bill de Blasio need to go back to New York and be mayor of New York. Uh, the boy John Delaney, whatever his name is, he was the first one in. I think he pulled that 0.5%. Boy, go sit at home. But it's just some folks who are just running to be running. But you're right. When the money dry up, that's when they all leave. That's right. That's right. And I think, let's uh, talk, again, let's, it's not just the yeah. money. It's, you know, people will begin to realize this one is not being listened to. That one's not being listened to. Um, it, it, it will work itself out. Let's talk about, uh, of course, media diversity. Uh, you, of course, won a show uh, that was uh, created, led by Shonda Rhimes, a number of other, hugely successful on ABC. Then she left to take a huge deal uh, with Netflix. And the thing that I tell people, just like with this show, the fact that if you do not have 
those of us, not, not a seat at the table, but who actually have the table, who are creating these things, owning these things, that is the only way this stuff changes. Otherwise, we're really asking somebody, why could you, out of the goodness of your heart, uh, please uh, hire folks? No, we have to be in a position where we have a stake, an ownership stake, to change what is happening when it comes to media, inclusion, diversity, and what it looks like. You know, I agree. I mean, I think when Shonda did what Oprah does, what um, a lot of uh, these new sort of black producers are doing, is saying that they want to take responsibility for their own stories. They don't want to ask other people for money. They want to raise their own money. I think all this is really important. I also think that it's important for uh, audiences to understand. Because remember, you know, in, in those days of Oscar So White, I, I kept thinking it was too late. If you want to change things, don't just don't spend the money to go to certain movies. Spend money to go to black film if that's what you want to support, um, if that's what you want to see out there. I mean, I think again, like any other business, it has to be supported by its audience. Uh, I had Tyler Perry speak at NABJ last year, and he said, uh, and and when he also, of course, uh, was honored the BAT Awards, he said he had no issues with Oscar So White. He said, but while y'all demanding a seat at the table, I'm gonna go build my own table. Uh, and, but <laughs> what he also did was. First of all, go ahead, go ahead, Joe. No, no, no. I was just laughing at what you said. I thought that was uh, building his own table is exactly what we need. It's what Shonda does. It's what, it's what Oprah does. It's what Ava uh, uh, DuVernay is doing. Um, I think all of these folks, it's what Spike did years ago um, by sort of creating his own, as you were, as Tyler Perry says, uh, building his own table. Rolling. Hello. Rolling. Rolling. Can't hear. hear. Can you hear us? I guess he can't hear us. No. Can he? Can he? Can he hear us though? Hey, fam! I want you to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/RolandSMartin, and don't forget to turn on your notifications. I don't know if you guys can hear me there. So, uh, Greg Carl, your question for Joe Morton. Brother Morton, when I first encountered you, it was, of course, in that classic watershed film, Brother from Another Planet. <laughs> Could you say something to those folks out there who want to make a, build a bridge between independent black filmmaking, that kind of visionary black filmmaking in popular culture, and the world of mass commercial entertainment media? Because you walked in both worlds. It's it's a it's a difficult thing to especially these days I think to um, uh, to build that particular bridge but it's not impossible I mean I think again it's happening I think Will Packer is doing it um, certainly Shonda Rhimes is doing it in terms of television um, uh, Ava DuVernay is actually making it possible for lots of young black independent filmmakers to find uh, a screen to to show what they're doing so I mean it takes. Again, it takes a village. You know, we all sort of have to figure out ways to help one another uh, build these kinds of things. It's not just one person doing it by themselves. Thank you. Hey, Joe, I've got a question for you. It's Scott Bolden. Yep. Hey, you know, hey, uh, I've been a longtime fan of yours. Who are some of the folks that you know in the industry that are doing incredible things that we don't know about, that have seats at the table, decision-making authority, or who are upcoming that we ought to be watching and looking out for? 
Well, I mean, I, I don't know that we don't know about it, but I think Ice Cube has done a tremendous amount in terms of what he's mm -hmm. built and the kinds of films he's, he's produced. Yeah. Um, certainly, Will Packer has done the same thing. Um, uh, I think that Will Smith is trying to do something more than, than he's done in the past. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's actually a lot of people out there who are trying to figure out ways to tell stories beyond um, stories that have to do with equality or have to do with racism, that we want to tell other stories about who we are and how we exist in this world. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's probably the biggest hurdle to get over. Um, you know, uh, I was looking today at a lot of different directors and producers in terms of the kind of budgets that they receive. And for most of them, the highest budget may be around $35, $40 million, except for in two cases, with Ava DuVernay doing A Wrinkle in Time. She had a $200 million um, budget, and uh, Cougar, uh, uh, rather, uh, Ryan Coogler had uh, $100 million in terms of uh, Black Panther. Those are the large movies. Mm -hmm. But I think for the smaller films, what Ava in particular is doing in terms of making um, things available for people, a space available for them to show their films, I think is an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank Erica. You. Hi there, um, Mr. Morton. This is Erica Savage-Wilson. Glad to have you in D.C. Um, and hope to attend your fireside chat tomorrow. Read in an interview that you did and talking about God friended me that um, people needing something to, you know, have in the queue to watch on Sunday um, to help them prepare for the week specific to the climate that we're living in being very stressful. Could you talk a little bit about the responsibility you feel as an actor um, to participate in that? Since I started in this business many years ago, I sort of, you know, I entered in the late 1960s. And in the late 1960s, a lot of the roles that were being offered to uh, black male actors in particular were, um, you know, drug addicts, uh, gangsters, uh, boogaboos of one sort or another. And at that point, I made a very conscious decision that the kinds of roles I wanted to take, um, the way I wanted to diversify my particular career was to play, um, not to play those kind of characters, but to play any number of different characters from any number of different walks of life that simply show uh, black folk as, as human as anybody else. Um, and with that in mind, that's how I sort of moved forward. Joe, I got to ask you. Uh, normally, uh, for the last several years, on th on nights like this, Thursday night, uh, we would be uh, live tweeting you. Uh, do you miss Papa Pope? <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I think we probably all do. I mean, on on one hand, um, the cast of a Scandal, uh, we still stay in touch with one another. There is a group um, uh, uh, um, uh, text that we that we in a ways that we keep in touch with each other. I think we miss being with each other. We miss doing the show. We certainly miss being around Shonda. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, Shonda's decision to have the show um, end at its height was exactly the right decision to make. Well, I can tell you as somebody who was the chief gladiator, uh, certainly <laughs> miss it. Uh, there was no show like it. Uh, but we're, of course, uh, it, it wouldn't be mind if, it would be, it, it, you know, I would feel a lot better if Command was in charge of Washington, D.C. today with Crazy Man in the White House. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I, I certainly um, uh, appreciate the compliment. Uh, but the other side of things is Command is a fictionary character. Uh, unfortunately, the man who's sitting in the White House is not fictional. Right. And so we have to very, in a very real way, make sure we vote him out of office. Mm -hmm.
Amen. Well, I, I, well, I tell you what, I tell, I'll tell you how much I miss uh, miss your character. Probably at least once every uh, three months, uh, I'll watch one of the video compilations on YouTube of some of your greatest monologues because, man, the writers of Scandal gave you some damn good stuff to work with. They did. They did. Um, and, you know, one of the things you have to sort of reconcile yourself with uh, when you leave a show like that, especially with the kind of writing that um, uh, yeah, I had access to, um, is that that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm certainly and grateful that um, it, it was given to me. Um, it will be um, a wonderful uh, Christmas morning if that kind of thing should come around again. So what are you work? What are you working on now? Um, well, I know what, the show on CBS. Um, yeah, we're shooting our second season of God Friended Me, um, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. Um, I think the beauty of this particular show um, is that we talk about the connect connectivity of human beings, um, that we are all in some way connected to one another. That in, in, because of that connectivity, we are, we are in a position to help one another. Um, uh, it's, it's the kind of show that your whole family can watch um, without any kind of, uh, you'd never have to hide your children's eyes for anything. Um, it's the kind of show that makes you feel good at the end of it, even though we may bring tears to your eyes. It's the kind of show that I think talks about um, Americans in a very diverse way, um, which you'll, if you watch the show, you would see it. We have um, all kinds of things that happen on the show. I'm, I'm really enjoying it, um, uh, and I hope everybody watches. Uh, last question for you. Uh, you were off Broadway, an unbelievable uh, one-man play, Dick Gregory. Uh, is that still possibly going to make its way to Broadway? John Legend was one of the executive producers, and, man, it was just an unbelievable uh, play. I think it will be amazing. What's the status of that? Well, we keep trying. You know, a one-man show on Broadway is a very difficult thing to achieve, but we're still pushing for it, and hopefully one, one of these days, sooner than later, it will happen again. Well, maybe. Well, may, uh, I would hope. Uh, you know, just like um, uh, the uh, the Broadway play that Carrie was on, uh, Netflix is going to show. I'm telling you, if if that was if that was shot for the folks who saw it, uh, and let me tell you what happened there, Greg. Uh, uh, Joe invited me to opening night. I had speeches, all kind of stuff. Couldn't get there, and then they were closing, and he said, "Look, Roland." We close it in two weeks. You better get to New York to see this. <laughs> and so, man, went to New York, and it was a tour de force. Uh, Dick Gregory, was I was just so pleased that he was able to be alive to see that. Those of you who, who, who saw us live stream Dick Gregory's funeral, you got a taste of Joe Morton playing Dick Gregory and just an unbelievable uh, uh, role there. And so maybe we can't get it on Broadway. Maybe we can get somebody to at least uh, shoot it and have it. Because, again, I just think people would just really love uh, to see you uh, bring Dick Gregory to life, and we certainly miss him. Well, as they say, from your lips to God's ears. Mm. <laughs> Joe Martin, always a good pleasure talking with you, brother. You take care. I'll see you soon. You too. Have a good one. All right, then. All right, folks. Uh, that is it for me. It is going to be. Uh, so let's see. I'm a, real quick here. Uh, I'm going to start with Scott. Scott, who's the one person uh, that you think is going to have a breakout performance tonight? We ain't doing crazy-ass white people. Not tonight? Yeah, that's called a debate, bro. That's Not, tonight. Not tonight. I got, <laughs> I got one minute before I got to go okay. inside. Okay, I think Kamala's got to, but look for Elizabeth Warren to go after Biden because she's got to move, and I think she is more likely to go after Biden than uh, Bernie Sanders is. He's going to be sandwiched between the two of them. Watch her tonight, and she's going to be at a historical black college. Look out for her attacks. Look out for her attacks. All right, Erica. 
I'm watching Kamala Harris and Julian Castro. Greg. They said exactly who I said. Pete Buttigieg is over. It's going to be it, it, between Kamala Harris and Julian Castro. They auditioned for the vice presidency. Elizabeth Warren has all the momentum. Look for her, as Scott said, to try to take Joe Biden's head clean off. Uh, I tell you right now, the person who is uh, going to be real desperate tonight is Beto O'Rourke uh, because his campaign is failing. failing. Oh, of course, yeah, the true. shooting in El Paso. Most folks thought that, that was going to bring some life to it. We'll see how he performs tonight on the stage here at TSU. Again, folks, uh, in about 30 minutes, those doors right there are going to close. Uh, go, ahead, guys, paying right for me, uh, paying right there. As you see, people are still, uh, people are still uh, coming in, and so in 30 minutes, uh, these doors will close. Uh, and then the debate starts at 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. George Stephanopoulos, Lindsey Davis will be asking questions. Jorge Ramos with Univision will also be asking questions as well. This will air on ABC and Univision. And so we look forward uh, to seeing what happens tonight. Again, I will be inside. Uh, as uh, So they have a media center. Uh, but I'm from Houston. So I'll be sitting next to the president of Texas Southern University. That's how it is when you know people. All right, y'all, I got to go. Also, I want to thank the two TSU students for helping me out. Uh, y'all, come on, real quick, get over here. Come on, come on, move, move, move. All right, tell it, who are you? Hi, my name is Kiara James. My name is David Brown. All right, then, so they helped us do today's show. Every time I come, okay, y'all go back. I mess with y'all. Every time I come to Houston, I always uh, uh, call the folks at TSU to give their students an opportunity to actually work on doing this kind of show. And so that's what we did. I want to thank the students who also helped us on yesterday. So, all right, folks, I got to go. Uh, don't forget to support Roller Bar Unfiltered. This is why we do the show, uh, for us to be able to bring you uh, this type of information. No other black website is doing this. No black cable network is doing this. We're totally different than everybody else. So we need you to support us with your dollars. Joining our Bring the Funk fan club, please go to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. And I noticed, Scott Bolton, we still haven't gotten a check from you. I wonder why. All right, folks, oh! I got to go. I'll see y'all later. Oh! You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Hey everybody, this is Sherry Shepard. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered, and while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. So I am. Because Roland Martin's the one, he will do it backwards, he will do it on the side, he messes everybody up when he gets into the wobble, because he doesn't know how to do it, so he does it backwards. And it messes me up every single time. So, I'm working on it. I
got it. You got Roland Martin. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Mac Wiles, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roland Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roland Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Hey fam, want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered, the blackest show on all of digital cable and broadcast. Want to check out our audio podcast. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roller Martin Unfiltered. Press play. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.